Hola, hola, hola! Welcome back to the Unapologetic Me podcast, and I'm your host, Kirby, for another episode this week. You know, I, I really tried last week to get an episode out for all of you, but I'm rolling with the punches right now with my health because it is just up in the air when I am feeling okay and I cannot control that. And so I tried really hard and it just wasn't possible. It wasn't possible for me to record one. So I'm really just going with the flow with my body. And I posted about this on Instagram recently, you know, especially in light with the whole Simone Biles putting, prioritizing her mental health, um, you know, in lieu of pushing herself with the Olympics and stuff like that. I've said this many times before, you have one body and no thing, no external thing is worth jeopardizing your health. And this stems in many things. Again, our health is three pieces, mind, body, and soul. And my body physically is struggling. I'm having some issues here. And so I guess I can talk a little bit about that in this intro. I just want to preface by saying two things. Number one, there is still construction going on outside. It's not as bad today, but there's a little bit of hammering happening. The reason why it's not as bad is there has been some wild rainstorms here lately. We had one start this morning at like 5, 6 a.m. And they are insane. And especially because we have this absolutely amazing view of the ocean, it's like you can see the lightning cracks coming down into the ocean. And there's crazy wind because we also have this huge open space around us where we can see the jungle. And so I think that the rain and the weather obviously affects the construction guys next door or whatever. I knew that it would kind of be like this because we are coming into the rainy season here or whatever. But I got to tell you, it's like really nerve wracking for me, especially like I've spoke about coming out of fight or flight and whatnot, the huge thunder cracks um, kind of disrupt my nervous system a little bit. My partner kind of has to help me kind of calm down and just reassure me like, hey, everything's okay. But I just, if you're somebody who has a very sensitive body and you've lived in fight or flight, like I have, it is okay and it's normal for you to feel those types of things. So number one, that's the thing with, if you hear any construction behind me. Number two, My partner is on the phone in the other room with his grandparents, and I've said this before, but he's Spanish, and they can speak quite loud, and so also, if you hear that kind of talking, you know, recording a podcast, you just I just don't feel like you ever have ideal conditions for it, if I'm being completely honest, you know, there, you can have, I guess, a podcasting room, some people who grow huge podcasts, they get these podcasting rooms, but you know, I currently travel all over the world, and so like having a podcasting room isn't really an option for me. So I kind of just make do with it. And I I also want to preface to anybody who's uh, interested in starting their own podcast, number one, you can put out a podcast for free. Like I don't have to pay anything to anybody to put out this podcast. And yes, I'm sure there is better high quality recording ways that I could record this, but I actually have an app on my phone and I'm able to record it directly into my phone and I'm able to edit it directly on my phone. And so you actually can do these things. There's ways for you to do these things. You don't have to get this high tech equipment. I don't have like a microphone or like a recording device or this huge program that I paid for. I do it all through my phone and 
the reason why I have a podcast is because I wanted to have a podcast and I was told by source that I was supposed to have a podcast. So that is why I have one. And that's kind of leading into what I want to talk about in this episode, which is kind of going a little bit back into the boundary situation with my family. I know I said on the last episode that I'm going to do a Q&A with my partner and I am, but he and I have different schedules. And so we haven't been able to record it together. And because I haven't been feeling very well, it's been hard for us to kind of just navigate a time to do that. So I'm hoping this week I might be able to do it. And then next week we'll be able to um, have that up. So if you do have any further questions about me and my partner and anything you want to ask him about this whole wild situation of us coming together, I will still leave the link where you can submit some questions and that will be in the description below. And so we will record that this week. But the reason why I decided to kind of switch and kind of out of nowhere, which obviously nothing happens out of nowhere, we all know this, but it was because I received this absolutely beautiful message from one of you on my Instagram and I'm going to read the message to all of you. Obviously, I will keep it anonymous. This is why this message is, and it it kind of got me teary-eyed because it got me teary-eyed because I don't ever really know why I'm called to speak about my life or to speak about the things that I am doing or the topics of my podcast. I do, I try to pre-plan out, you know, like things that I want to talk about. And there are still a lot of topics that I haven't gotten to because I kind of just roll with the punches with my podcast. And Source kind of tells me like, hey, speak about this right now. It's really important. And I don't really pre-plan out my podcast episodes and I don't take notes. I literally decide, okay, I'm going to record right now. And I let myself just channel it all through me. And all of it just comes through the way that it's supposed to come through. And sometimes at the end of my episode, I feel like, man, did I give them exactly what I wanted to give? But I know that everything that I meant to say always comes through. And that's why I can ramble sometimes. And some of the episodes go a little bit longer than I intend to. But I really just allow it all to flow through me. Over the last six weeks, there was a lot of healing that I that was done that I kind of spoke about in the last two episodes where there's been a lot of emotional healing as a result of this new relationship that I've been in. But I would say over the last six weeks, I've been really internally working through my family issues. And it's been affecting me a lot. I would be lying if I didn't say that. It's been one of my biggest and hardest things because I really feel like I'm kind of in the thick of it with all of the family stuff like coming up to a head. So I kind of wanted to give kind of a recap of where I'm at with my family situation. And the reason why is because this person who sent me a message kind of asked me to and I realized like, wow, I made that episode in January and it's been six, seven months since then and there is a lot of changes and there are a lot of things that I can kind of fill you all in on. And so let me just read what this person said and I want you all to know that anytime you send me a message on my email or you send me a message on Instagram saying how much the podcast resonated with you or how much the podcast helped you or me just sharing my story made you feel not alone, I want you to know that that is the exact reason why I have this podcast. 
I don't make any money from my podcast and I honestly don't care about that. Not everything is about money. I don't do a lot of things because of money. I do them because I feel called to do them and I know that they're the right thing for me to do and it's not about money for me. I do this because I was told by source that I need to have a podcast and I need to speak about my life and that's why I do this. I want to help you all with my story because I know that by sharing all of my struggles, it makes you feel not alone. It makes you feel like you're not the only one dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with. Because when I was going through so much of my hardship, and I'm still going through hardship, I would be lying if I said that everything was rainbows and daisies. But I always felt like I was alone in it and that there wasn't somebody that understood how it felt for me. So there's so many people where I just feel like so much of this is not spoken about and family difficulties and trauma and hardships like that is what connects all of us because every single person has been through something in some way shape or form and we need to all understand that you can come out on the other side regardless of what it is that you've been through and I just want people to know that you can still be successful in whatever it is that you're doing, even if you've been through the same type of shit that I've been through. Um, And that I, because I'm where I'm at in my career and with my business and everything that I'm doing, it is because I went through all of that. Like I, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for all of the pains. Like I, I say this all the time, the best thing that ever happened to me was getting Lyme disease because it taught me so much about myself and it allowed me to overcome something so awful, which changed my perspective on living. And that's why I don't want all of you to go through hardship, but because of the polarity of life that we live in, we have the highs because we know what the lows feel like. And we can't experience the highs unless we go through the lows. And I try to tell people like, you know, you don't actually have to go so deep into the lows, but many of us don't actually learn the lessons we need unless we personally experience the lows. Like my partner, he doesn't eat as healthy as I do. And I'm sure I will go much more into this in the Q&A if any of you have any questions about this, but he's not plant-based. I'm plant-based. I've been plant-based for like five years at this point. He's not plant-based. He doesn't eat super healthy. Like five out of the seven days of the week, he eats like a large fry for lunch, which is like an awful lunch, right? But I don't judge him for that because we're all adults. We all get to make our own choices. Like who would I be to judge him? I don't want him to judge me for my life choices. That's why I don't ever try and push anything on anybody because the most beautiful thing about life is getting to make our own choices. And the best part about that and what I take pride in myself as an integrity-driven person is that I do not judge other people for their choices. We all get to make our own choices. And what a beautiful thing that we can make those choices and it doesn't matter to anyone else but ourselves. Would I like him to be a bit more plant-based? Yes, 
due to health reasons. I want him to be healthy. And I guess I'll explain some of the health stuff that's kind of come up in a second. He's an adult. I'm not going to shame him for making a different food choice than I would make. He gets to make his own life choices. We're not meant to change our partners. Like the whole point of connecting and being with somebody is to accept them fully for who they are as a person, not to try and change them into what you want them to be. Ideally for me, would I like to be with somebody who's plant-based? Yes, I would. Because there's like a moral aspect to it, but I know that he is on his own journey. And we did sit together and watch a documentary about the food system and it did change his perspective on things. And so I personally just feel like my job and living integrity in my life is to just plant seeds for other people. And he has said, he was like, you know, I do want to eat a little bit different this way. And like him changing to eating like plant-based milks was like a great thing for me. And that made me so happy because I know that it's better for his gut. But I want him to make his own choices. I don't want him to change anything. I, I did say to him, like, you know, if we have children in the future, I would like to raise them plant-based. And he was like, okay, I respect that. I understand that. And it's because these decisions that I might make are not coming from a place of just ignorance and being like, I'm right. I want to be right. It's coming from a place of education. I have a lot of knowledge and education on this. And the whole point of this is the fact that he isn't as concerned about health issues because he hasn't faced really difficult things in his life around health. My whole life completely changed and transformed because I was faced with my health on the line with Lyme disease and mold poisoning. And when you've gone through something so traumatizing like that, where you are hanging on by a thread for your life with such a bad chronic illness, it changes your perspective. And like everything that you consume is very important to you because you've been there, you've dealt with it. But unless you've actually experienced it yourself, you don't really have that same perspective on it. So for him, it, it doesn't hit him the same way it does for me. Like I'm hyper aware of what I'm consuming, even down here in Mexico. And for him, it's just not a priority. And until something potentially happens in his own health, will he maybe change and make some new decisions on his own? But that's his own thing. It's up to him. What's kind of been going on with my health? And again, I'm going to kind of give a little bit of recap of this and then we're going to go into the boundaries thing. I don't want to give go too long about this, but I feel like I kind of need to go into it at this point. And I highly recommend this for every single person, if I'm being completely honest, because the more preventative that we can be in our health, the more we can prevent bad illnesses happening, whether it's chronic illness, heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, cancer, we can prevent all those things by taking preventative measures. But the problem is, is that many of us wait until something happens and then we're kind of past the point of no return. And it takes a lot of backtracking to get your health back on track. And so we decided coming down here, I kind of intuitively was guided to this and this happens with every single thing in my life. I found this spa in Puerto Vallarta, which is about an hour from where we live here in Mexico, and it's called Holistic Bio Spa, and they have an amazing team of holistic doctors where a lot of people from Western states, specifically Canada and the United States, 
come down for detoxification protocols and they heal from Lyme disease, other chronic illness, other autoimmune issues, you know, all these health problems that you could potentially have. And this spa basically has, it's not really like a spa, but it is called Holistic Bio Spa. It's kind of like a medical clinic. And they have all of these things that you can do, you know, to keep your health on track. It's a lot cheaper than going to a place in the United States because here in Mexico, they don't have the inflation that they have in the United States. Like you can get really great quality stuff for like a fraction of the cost. Like even I went to this amazing, this is completely separate than that, but I went to this amazing holistic dentist down here because many of you know, or maybe you don't know, and I, I think I need to do an entire podcast episode on this. I'm pretty sure I've spoke about this at some point about my Lyme journey, but I got my root canals removed and I got two titanium implants put in, but I decided that I don't want to keep these titanium implants in. I want to get them taken out and just have a crown put on top because I just don't want a foreign object in my body. My body is highly, highly sensitive and I've actually had no teeth on top of these implants. I've had these like open holes in my mouth for the last two years. And I think intuitively my highest self like didn't want me to actually pay the next $6,000 to get these pieces put on top of my teeth. I realized that I want to get these implants taken out. So I haven't gotten them taken out yet, but I did go to this holistic dentist down here and I had the most amazing like cleaning and x-rays, like 3D x-rays and all these things. And it cost me like... $200. And she was like the best dentist I've ever gone to. And I asked her, I was like, who, how, what kind of, you know, clients mostly come in here? She's like, oh, only Western clients, you know, people from Canada and the United States. And I was like, wow, this is mind blowing. And this is so freaking cheap. Like This is insanely cheap. And it was like the best quality service I've ever had. Like I'm never going to go to the dentist in the United States ever again, honestly. And to get the titanium implants taken out, mind you, when I got my root canals taken out and these implants put in, it cost me $10,000. Okay. To get these implants taken out and to get two crowns put on top, I think the grand total is going to cost me like $1,000 maybe. Not even. I don't even think it's going to cost that much. Like it's, oh my God, it's just so insane. But anyways, I digress. The whole point was this other thing, holistic bio spa. So my partner and I decided that we wanted to get in a, a full blood panel done. And this is where they do what they have available is to have like 72 different tests done. And there's no place in the United States where you can go to, to get this as in-depth amount of testing done. Like nowhere offers it. And basically they test for all these things and these deficiencies that you might have, any issues that you might have based off of like your history and all of this stuff. And what came back on my test is that I have some thyroid issues, which I intuitively kind of had known for a little bit, but I didn't know to the extent of what they were. And I kind of felt like, because a lot of times with chronic illness, thyroid can kind of be a byproduct of all of the taxation on your adrenals and your hormones and all of those things because basically your hormones are what kind of feed your thyroid like you need four different of your hormones to like convert I think t3 to t4 for your thyroid to be working optimally and it's like cortisol and all these things right and so I have some thyroid issues 
my body isn't absorbing the nutrients that are pretty much going into my body. I'm low in vitamin D, which shocked the hell out of me because I actually sit out in direct sunlight every single day for at least 20 to 30 minutes. And 20 minutes usually gives you like 500 times what your body needs of natural vitamin D. And I do this without sunblock on because then it allows your body to actually get the direct sunlight. Vitamin D also is so integral for your immune system and for your mental health. That's why a lot of people who live in the northern states or in places where it can be really rainy or not sunny for a lot of the year, they have higher depression rates because there's a lot there's no vitamin D storage that's within the body. So my body's actually just not absorbing the vitamin D. And so my vitamin D is very low. It's it's at like 40 and it should be like 90 to 100. What shocked me even more is my partner's vitamin D is at 19. His is way lower than mine. And I was like, holy freaking cannoli. The other thing is, is my B vitamins are... All of them are okay, but my B12 is suffering. And I actually take a B-complex vitamin, which is a combination of all of the different B vitamins, you know, like folate and B6 and all of these different ones. Pantothenic acid, I believe that's one of them also. But B12 specifically, you should be taking in the form of chewing. Because if you take it in a capsulation form, this is what the doctor told me, you aren't actually absorbing the benefits of the B12. So it's fine for me to take the B complex, but if you're going to take a B12 vitamin, you need to take it in like a tincture form where you can like absorb it directly under the tongue or in a chewable tablet. And that's something that I literally didn't know. Like no doctor has ever explained that to me. Whether you are plant-based or not plant-based, every single person should be taking a B12 vitamin because where you get your B12 from is actually from the nutrients in the soil. But because our soil is so depleted, nobody's actually getting adequate B12. So everybody really should be taking a B12 vitamin because you get it from the nutrients in the soil that grows your vegetables or legumes or whatever, blah, 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 blah. So pretty much I would say those are my biggest issues, but the thyroid is a really, really big one. There's a lot of issues with my cortisol and a couple of of my hormones. And this is why my body has, and I think because I have finally, I kind of explained this a bit in like when I was chatting about my partner and things that have been going on with my health in that episode. I believe it was two episodes ago. So if you want to know a little bit more what I'm talking about, you can listen back to that if you didn't hear it. But I just recently come out of fight or flight where my body's finally now kind of regulating, but I started becoming so fatigued. And also I still had quite a bit of puffiness in my face and I've really had this puffiness in my face, I would say for the last 10 years. Like if I would try and lose weight over the last decade, no matter what I did, I could never get rid of the puffiness in my face. And I remember I when I worked at Ralph Lauren, there was this older woman, her name was Mary. I made a comment, I was like, I really dislike my chubby face and she was like oh when you get older you're gonna be like so grateful for that because it's gonna like show your youth but I was like no like you don't understand like this is not like somebody who is carrying like inflammation in their face it's completely different than like 
carrying weight in your face. And I feel like anyone who's had chronic illness or autoimmune, like you can feel that. And it was the same thing when I started getting Bell's palsy on my face, which again, I've spoke about this before in my other Lyme episodes. So you can go back and listen to those. But Bell's palsy is when half of your face basically becomes paralyzed. And my like upper lip on my left side like really started drooping. My face started like sagging down on the left side. And my sister, my youngest sister at the time when it was like happening and she was like, that's how you've always looked. And like, I swear people kind of, it's such an ignorant thing to say to somebody who's like dealing with a health issue because you're like, no, the fuck I haven't. I have not had this on my face my entire life. I know what my face looks like and people like kind of discredit how you look because of ignorance. It really is out of ignorance. And it's like, I remember in like that time with my sister and this woman, I wanted to be like, shut the fuck up. This is not just my face being chubby because I wasn't heavy. I just had a puffy inflamed face. And the same thing with my sister. I was like, I have not always had this. I know what the fuck my face looks like. Like I have not. And she kind of made me feel like I was going crazy that I had like looked like that my whole life. And I knew I hadn't. It still hasn't fully gone away. And it's something that I have kind of learned to accept. And I don't really think about it unless I like rewatch back TikTok videos or other videos that I create because I feel a little bit self-conscious of it then, but it's literally something that I cannot control. Blah, 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 blah. My partner, he also did a full blood panel. And the best part about this is doing this amazing blood panel is it only cost, I think it costs like $400, which I understand is a large amount of money, but taking the amount of tests that we did in the States, it would have been probably $10,000, I would assume. And I don't know if it would be covered by insurance. I have no idea, but it was really, really worth the money. And he and I kind of decided because we're both 33 and you know we want to have children in the future and you know just for the sake of our health we were like we want to kind of find out where there might be deficiencies and how we can kind of combat that and it turns out he has thyroid issues too which was quite shocking for both of us he also is low in vitamin d he's low in um b12 he's super low in iron which was shocking for both of us because he eats meat i don't even eat meat and his iron levels were less than mine but i do take an iron supplement as well and i have taken an iron supplement for quite some time because i don't eat meat and he had like more issues than i did which was really really surprising but the best part is that we were able to go in and this doctor this holistic doctor and this is why i really 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 promote holistic doctors they he sat down with each of us individually for an hour and explained our blood tests to us and where the issues are and why these things happen and this and that. One of the other issues that I'm having is that my arteries are not working as optimally as they need to be, as well as, like I said, my gut isn't absorbing the nutrients. And so my arteries are also not absorbing the nutrients that they need to be. And so that's something that we're going to kind of work through. And he does think that that could potentially be because I had Lyme disease and mold poisoning. My body is like slowly working its way back to being optimal. But so he gave us these amazing natural supplements to kind of work on for the next two months. My partner's taking more than I am. And I think that that really shocked the hell out of him. And we're going to see if it comes back. But I, I've really, really been de- dealing with some super intense fatigue. And my body's just, I've been quite sick for the last 
six weeks. So that's kind of what's been going on a bit with my health. I definitely went on for that way longer than I had intended to, but I guess I kind of explained it all to you at this point. So the whole point of this episode, and I know I just went off on a tangent, so I hope you're all still hanging on there with me. I really love and appreciate all of you, is I'm going to read the message that I received from somebody from listening to this podcast. And then I'm kind of going to go into the status of where I'm at with boundaries and everything with my family. This is the message I received on Instagram. Hi, Kirby. I wanted to reach out to you because I just listened to your podcast episode on enmeshment and boundaries with family. It's been so incredibly enlightening and hearing your story is uplifting. It makes me feel hopeful about starting to set a huge boundary with my mother. I'm terrified, honestly, and so much of the imprinted narratives is making me go crazy with doubt. But hearing your truth and your experience was hard hitting. I wanted to let you know that I'm so thankful for you putting it out there for listeners like me. I literally just searched family boundaries on Spotify and yours came up. It is so amazing to hear how freeing it's been for you and I relate so much to what you've been through. I feel like I'm standing on the cliff's edge trying to go through this with myself, but I'm happy to know that there's liberation on the other side of things and it's all worth it. I wanted to know how have you been as of late with your family? Anyway, thank you again. So I realized instead of replying back and letting them know how I'm doing with my family, I feel like I should kind of give an update to all of you. So number one, for any of you who ever feel compelled to send a message to me, I want you to know that it never goes unnoticed. If I'm not able to reply to it, I get thousands of messages per day between Instagram and TikTok and my email. So I'm not always able to reply to all of them, but it never goes unnoticed. And even if I do reply weeks later, I still am acknowledging it. And I'm sorry, there's just a lot of correspondence that happens with having a large following and blah, 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 blah. As I kind of said a little bit in the beginning, over the last six weeks, I would say so much of my family stuff has really been marinating within me a lot. When I was in Sedona, uh, right at the end of January and the beginning of February, this was about, I would say, three to four weeks after I kind of came out with that episode about enmeshment with my family. I tried to be open and speak with my mom. I had kind of consulted with a friend because it was really eating at me inside and I was struggling a bit. This was before I got into this relationship and all this stuff. And I asked my friend, you know, like, what do you think I should do? And she said, why don't you just try and be open with your mom and see kind of how it is? Because up until that point, I kind of implemented the boundary in November of 2020. And my mom kind of kept still behaving as if things were normal, you know, kind of sending me random messages and and things, just trying to like, I guess, get conversation going. And I, in regards to respecting my own boundary, I wasn't responding to her. And I'm going to kind of go in a little bit on how you can kind of implement your own boundaries with family members. Obviously, in my case, I'm in a no contact boundary. So first I did feel quite bad about not responding. And that is also because that's kind of ingrained in you that like if somebody messages you, you owe them a response. And let me give you clarity on that. You don't owe anybody shit. Just because somebody messages you doesn't mean you have to respond to them. But for some reason we feel like 
we owe a response back and you literally don't. So it kind of went on like that. And then I was still doing quite a bit of healing in February. And so I tried to speak to my mother and it happened via text because I realized that I couldn't have a phone conversation with my mom because every time that I would speak with her on the phone, she would make me feel so bad about myself that I would get off the phone crying. So I remember I was in Sedona when this happened and it was in the evening and I sent my mom a message trying to be open about how I felt. It kind of initially started because even with implementing this boundary with my mom, my mom wasn't respecting me as an adult because mail was getting sent to her house in Chicago because prior to leaving Chicago, my I lived there. And my mom would open my mail. And number one, that is actually illegal. Like it's illegal for you to open somebody else's mail. But it just proves the point of how much my mom doesn't respect me and feels that she is indebted to know everything about me and to open my mail. I mean, it's it's just when I say it out loud now, it's absolutely mind-blowing that somebody could do that. I I I, I mind-blowing. But I, I said to her, do not open my mail, send it to me. And I gave her an address to send it to. And then she fought me so hard on this. She was like, why can't I open it? Why do I have to send it to you? And I was like, it's not your mail. So after that moment, I got a PO box in California near my friend's house because I knew that if I was out of the country, if I was traveling anywhere, my friend could just go and pick up my mail at this P.O. box, and I literally forwarded anything that I was going to receive from my mother's house to this P.O. box because I realized my mom is not going to respect me and she's going to keep doing this. So how am I, what am I going to do to change the situation? So I got a P.O. box and I started forwarding my mail there, which actually was the best thing ever because it stopped any correspondence from going to my mom's house and for her having the opportunity to open anything of mine. And then when I was trying to talk to my mom about this, she was like, this isn't fair, Kirby, for you to ask me to not open it. And I said, this is fair. This is ridiculous. You don't respect me. I feel like I haven't had a place in this family for a long time. Everyone wants me to do what they want, including you, and I'm not accepted for who I am. You don't even respect me enough to send me my mail. And up until that point, I had asked her multiple times to send my mail to this address in California, and she refused to send my mail. And it was not her mail. It was my mail. And she didn't even respect me enough to send my mail. That's how much I knew there was such an amount of enmeshment with my mother And then I got, I started kind of laying things out for her, why I was feeling the way that I felt with her, because she also, I think I spoke about this in the last episode, but she turned my siblings against me by using them as spies to find out information about me, which made me feel like it wasn't safe for me to speak openly with my own siblings because I didn't know what was going to turn into gossip behind my back. And I realized like, I don't feel comfortable speaking about my life with anyone in my family, Because somehow it turns into everyone gossiping about me or my mom using it as something against me. And I simply don't want to do that. And I said, you pinned me against my siblings. How fair was that for me? Like, I can't even have a relationship with them. And I even admitted to her, like, I don't feel like I can share any of my life with any of you because there's so much negativity and disrespect. 
everything turns into gossip. And then I tried to talk to her about conditional love. Like I really, really opened up. And when I was sending all these messages to her, I was like crying through sending them because I was really, really opening up. And then my mom replied after all of that, she replied with an emoji of a turtle that said, huh? After I like really opened up my heart with like all this information, huh? And I literally remember in that moment, reading that message, being like, oh my God. And this is what I want to kind of express to all of you. Like, this is the hardest part about a couple things. But when you become the black sheep or when you kind of become open and understand the dynamic of your family system, it starts to become so easy for you to see your family dynamic. But your family is still in the dynamic and they literally cannot see it. So in me saying all that, like I know all we want to do is like scream from the rooftops. This is how I feel. You know what I mean? But it's like in that moment of me saying all of that to my mom, I was standing in the middle of a room screaming at the top of my lungs, but nobody could hear me. It's like I was speaking another language. I was speaking Chinese and my mom literally couldn't understand anything that I was saying because she's still so consumed in the family dynamic that she can't even acknowledge That any of the things that she's done, like my mom can't even acknowledge that her opening my mail is wrong in any way, shape, or form. Like she doesn't even think that's wrong. Where That's a huge lack of boundaries and disrespect to me because she can't even respect me enough to not open my mail. You know what I mean? Like, so for me then to go on this whole thing of like how much she's hurting me by all these things she's doing, she can't even hear that. So if you're having issues with your family, all you might want to do, and you might think in your head like, wow, if I just sit down and explain myself, they will hear me. And I'm going to tell you this, and I know that this is probably what you don't want to hear, but They can't hear you. They can't hear you because they're still in the swamp. And this is how I kind of view it myself personally. How I see my family, and you might see your family like this, especially when there is a really deep enmeshment and toxic family dynamic, they're literally in like a swamp, okay? That's how I view it. I look at it as like this dark swamp and everybody's like sitting in it and nobody can get out, okay? And when you step into the swamp, it sucks you in. It's kind of like quicksand, okay? It sucks you in and it's hard for you to pull yourself back out. But when you've removed yourself from the swamp, which is actually physically difficult to do, this is why it's so hard to implement boundaries with your family dynamic because it goes against basically everything that our society kind of preaches and religion kind of preaches, which is that family is everything. Above all else, put your family first. Self-sabotage yourself as long as the family's happy, right? Like put yourself underneath, like everyone goes above you, like family, family, family. And I'm pretty sure I said this in the last episode, but I really feel like families, and this is just my experience, but I feel like a lot of people have toxic families. I feel like families are umbrellas for toxic behavior. And families allow 
toxic behavior to continue on because, quote unquote, family. And it's like nobody questions it because they're like, well, it's family. So I just have to deal with my mom's awful behavior. Oh, well, it's family. So we're just going to accept that my uncle is a pedophile. That's not the case for me, but I'm just saying like really abusive things. And everyone's like, well, this is how family is. No, the fuck it's not. You are just accepting that toxic family behavior because that may be all you know. And it wasn't really until I got into this relationship with my partner, and I'm not going to say that he has the most perfect family because he doesn't, but he does have a completely different family dynamic than I do. And I realized, like, my family is really fucked up. Like, your family does not do the fucked up shit that my family does. And I just, I realized, like, you really don't know the fuckery of your family system until you start asking other people what their family systems are like. And then that's when you really kind of can start seeing like, oh my God, this is abusive. Like I grew up in an abusive family system. This is not normal. And through this sake of my own healing journey, I've realized how much my family has normalized abuse. Just in the sake of the acceptance of my father. And and many of you, I've spoke about this many, many times about Tom. That's who my father is. And that's how I refer to him. I haven't had a relationship with him for 12 or 13 years at this point. Again, that is by choice. And I know anyone who has a great family unit, you, it, you don't understand this. You don't understand this. But I actually kind of feel at this point in time that there is not really a perfect family unit because I've actually realized like how many people have really messed up stuff in their family too. No one talks about it because it's just not widely accepted in our society to go against your family. And when you do go against your family, like what I have done and become this huge black sheep, you literally are shamed so bad for it. Like I've been shut out from my family. I implemented a boundary with them, but they have literally shut me out from everything. Like all of my siblings have completely cut me off. And I didn't do, there's no beef between me and my siblings. My mom has pinned them against me. And there's nothing I can do about this. There's nothing that I can say. And like I said, even if that wasn't the case, And the reason why I know that is because there have been family events that I've seen through social media with my family. I'm not in, I don't even get an invite anymore. I'm not invited to anything anymore. I implemented a boundary with the family and like, I'm not invited to anything. I'm completely shut out by my family because I refuse to accept this family dynamic any longer. I also personally believe that Every child, regardless of any family dynamic, every child, because we are all basically just our little younger inner childs, okay? That's really who we are as adults, which the trauma that we're overcoming as adults and the things that we're working through is literally a byproduct of what our inner child didn't receive 
as a child, right? So that's why I need all of this nurturing and this affection and this being held because my little baby self as a six-month-old didn't get held enough. So now as an adult, when i 33 years old, I crawl into my partner's arms and he holds me like a baby. I mean, how how ridiculous is that? And that's because my little child inside did not receive that. It's so sad when you think about it to the core level. But going against your family, every child ultimately just wants love and acceptance from their parents. For me, it's not even from my siblings, right? Because my siblings grew up the same way as me. That's why it's actually easy for them to kind of cut me off because that's how my family is, right? So they knew that. They've learned that, that like if somebody doesn't do as you say, oh, bye, like cut them out of your life. And my family is accepting of you as long as you do as they say. And my fam, my other siblings are not going to go against the fi- family dynamic because they can't see how bad it is. So for them, they're willing to continue to self-sabotage and sacrifice as long as they still are accepted in some way, shape, or form in my family system. You know, I don't think it's by chance that every single one of my siblings and I have suffered from anxiety and depression. I don't think that that's by chance. I personally feel like that is because there is only conditional love in my family. And each one of us is seeking that love and acceptance from a family unit that they're never going to receive it from. Because conditional love is not present in my family system. Conditional love isn't something that we've actually ever experienced. So of course we're going to feel depressed because we're in a family unit where nothing that you do is good enough. Of course that is going to grow depression. Of course there's going to be anxiety because you you have to continuously be walking on eggshells in your family unit and that is going to continue to make you feel like you have to be perfect in order to be accepted. Again, we're in a conditional family unit, a conditional love family unit. It's it's not surprising to me that there is the type of issues in my family that there is. I mean, I believe four out of the six have been on or are still currently on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. It also doesn't shock me that there's a huge alcohol problem in my family. Not just my immediate family, but alcoholism has run in my extended family for centuries. This is something that's been known. Like even when I was a young girl, we spoke about alcoholism in my family. I think multiple extended family members died as a result of alcoholism. Well, I also don't think that that's by chance either. You know, these deeper family issues, and I'm like really kind of opening the floodgates here and I kind of feel like if my family ever listens to this, they're just going to want to like murder me. But I also just don't care anymore because this is my truth and this is what I have experienced as a person. And I'm sure many of you are or have also experienced things to this extent. And these are the reasons why there's the issues in my family that there is. And so it just stems so much bigger and so much deeper than that. I also don't think that the alcoholism is by chance either. Alcohol is a way of numbing yourself. And if there is those deeper issues and those hidden pains and those traumas, you're going to turn to something. And there is other drugs that are involved in my family as well. And there's problems. There's problems in my family. And I feel like everyone is just numbing, 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 and no one is actually dealing with the problem. And I, because I have removed myself, I've pulled myself out of the swamp And the thing is about the swamp, and I also like also simultaneously view it as like a stew, (laughs) 
is there's this constant wooden spoon that is like stirring the swamp, okay? And at different points in time, somebody is the keeper of this wooden spoon. And it kind of transitions depending upon who's the topic at the time. And so much of my life, because I have been such a sore thumb, I guess I would say, I have been someone who has just not ever felt like I fit into my family. And I don't know if this is because I'm a highly sensitive person. I don't know if this is because I'm an empath. I don't know if this is because I was always meant to be the black sheep, but I have just never felt like I have fit in or I have been understood by my family. Like even when I was a young child, I never felt like I had a place in my family. But I've also spoke to other spiritual people and my really great friend, Steffi down here. I've spoke to her and other spiritual people about like, how did you feel growing up? And my other great friend, Jessica down here, and they said like, I just never felt like it was my life. I never felt like I fit in with my family dynamic. And I was like, I completely agree. That's exactly how I have also within my family. I don't know if this feeling is because I was always meant to disrupt my family system And that was a big part of my calling here on earth at this time. I do actually feel that that is a big part of this because our ancestors want somebody to heal the family dynamic because it goes back so many generations where many other people weren't able to do it. And that's why doing this healing is heavy freaking lifting But I also just don't know. I mean, maybe that's why I was given the personality that I was. Maybe that's why I was born in the astrological sign that I was born into. Like maybe, I just don't know. Like we all have different purposes here. And I do feel like a huge part of my purpose has been to break these toxic behaviors that have gone on for centuries and to start a new paradigm shift for our children moving forward. I do feel like that. And it it is hard work. And that is why so many people don't do it within the family system. You know, that that's why they don't walk away. That's why we don't do it. That's why there's been this huge societal stigma of don't fucking disrupt the family system. Don't walk away from family. And and again, the shame that is really imprinted onto people who do. Even my own siblings. I mean, if I could even explain to you the abuse from my father. Like even my own siblings in the midst of the abuse and the shit that was going on, especially over the last 15 years since my parents have gotten divorced, my siblings would still try and normalize his abusive behavior and and try not to speak about it as if it was abusive. They would They would still try and normalize it as if it wasn't that bad. And really over the last six months since I've had this stronger boundary with the family has really made me realize how abusive it was and how much we actively tried to normalize that. Like it, it's quite mind-blowing to me. And, and that's the thing, like I'm never going to be able to change my siblings' perspective of their father or of these other family dynamics. And that's the hardest part here with creating these boundaries with their family. Like obviously we want an outcome. I want 
to have a great relationship with my siblings again. I want to have a great relationship with my mother. And I'm hoping after implementing this boundary that that's something that could come out on the opposite side. But I've also made peace with the fact that that might not happen. Like, would it be great if that happened? Absolutely. That would be great. If I could finally receive the respect that I have been wanting, if I could finally receive the freedom and the peace and all the aspects of my family, like that all would be really great. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen because just because I've changed doesn't mean that my family has. And that's the thing here. Like I've pulled myself out of the swamp, but the family's still in the swamp. They're still in it. And they can't really see my perspective. I'm like a drop of water in a freaking pool of oil. Like they can't see it. And until somebody has like their own internal shift, they're not really going to see it. And we cannot create the shift within all of those people. We can create the shift within ourselves And we can keep honoring and growing and helping ourselves, but we cannot force anything within anyone else. And it's not our job to. Like prior to all of this, I still felt like I could change their minds about me. I could fix things within the family. Like I could make it right. Number one, it's not my job to do that. And number two, no matter what I do, I'm exerting so much effort and energy to try and make a whole bunch of people see me who were never going to see me. I can't change their perspectives. It's their own internal programming, right? And I used to have the same programming myself. It really, the boundary was much easier for me to implement because I physically created distance between me and my family. Like I don't live in the same town as them. I I moved far away and I blocked them all on social media. Like I didn't block their phone numbers, but like I was like, I actively cannot be seeing your social media stuff. Like I had to do that for myself because otherwise it, it was torturous for me. I still love all these people deeply. That's the thing that I don't think people understand. I think my family thinks that I'm just selfish as hell and that I don't love and care about anybody. And that's just not the case. I love them all deeply. I still send love and positivity to them every single day. I still love them. I think about them all the time. Every day I think about my family. I love them. I have all of my siblings' initials tattooed on my body. Like, I love my family. Just because I love them doesn't mean that I have to endure abuse. Do you understand that? Just because I love them doesn't mean I have to settle for the family dynamic. I love them, but I love myself more. And I'm not going to subject myself to toxic behavior just because I love my family. I can love them from a distance. And that's the thing that I've kind of realized here. So over the last six, seven months of having this boundary, I realized, number one, how much better my life has gotten. How much I have been able to really see who I am as a person outside of my family dynamic. That I'm not just a piece of this unit. I'm not a piece of a pie. I am a whole fucking pie on my own. 
and I'm perfect in that pie. And what I couldn't see before was how perfect I was because my family imprinted so many brown spots on my pie that made me feel so bad about myself. There was so much shame about who I am as a person, so much guilt about myself, so much pain and trauma and and worry and fear and all these things. And and so much of that like was so imprinted because of my family dynamic. And I couldn't fully work through all of that myself while still being in contact with them. So that's the biggest thing over the last, you know, six months and especially diving into this relationship where I've allowed these bruises to come up on my body. They're obviously metaphorical bruises, right? There were no physical bruises that came up, but I allowed them to finally start being seen by who? Be seen by myself, by my who I am. I was like, wow, I, I, I did not fully see that there. And then my partner really helped me bring those forward because I was finally in this safe space of seeing them. And there's been a lot of crying. There has been, oh my God, just the unobscene, an obscene amount of crying, really grieving. That's what's happened here. You know, like that's the part of the healing journey that I don't think a lot of people want to navigate into. And listen, I don't freaking blame you. I mean, there was a lot of crying prior to this year. I I spoke about all these things last year and there's still some parts of my healing journey that I haven't opened up about and I'm just not ready to. And I'm sure many of you can understand that and I will get there at some point, but I'm just not there yet. But the amount of crying, you have to you have to grieve. What I've been grieving is the family system that I always wanted to have, but I never actually had. It's the family system that I pretended in my head that I have. I pretended that I had this really loving, caring family that really genuinely cared about me. I pretended that I had that. And that it wasn't this abusive system because I didn't want to acknowledge that, right? And we can only acknowledge the things and work through the things that we're ready to actually face and acknowledge. Then you can really work through shit. But if we don't even want to acknowledge that it's there, you can't really work through it, you know? So for a long time, I pretended like this wasn't my family. I pretended like things were rainbows and daisies and roses and peaches and fucking great. I pretended and I realized that I was faking it and at the expense of my happiness as a person. And I, I, I realized in implementing this boundary that I can't fake it anymore. I can't, I can't do this. And I really had to look at the hard parts of my family and how much it was actively affecting me as an adult. That's really what's happened over the last six months. And really over the last six weeks, it's been coming forth in a bigger way because for some reason, and I still don't know the answer to all of this, and I'll continue sharing this with all of you, I don't know the answer to this, but I have felt like potentially when I want to, because I don't want to have this boundary forever, but I feel like I can't just decide I'm going to go back to Chicago, you know, say my mom invites me for Christmas, which I would never go this year because I'm not in a place of healing where I could go back and it wouldn't affect me. There's still some emotional charges with certain pieces of my family. So it would potentially, let's say 2022 at Christmas, right? I couldn't just, the way that I feel, and maybe you you might be different, but I'm going to be honest with how I feel. 
I don't feel like I could go back to a family event and pretend like I haven't been gone for these last couple years and that I haven't done the healing that I've done. I don't feel like I could just go back and fake it. And that's that's the thing. I can't do that. It's not that I don't think I can. I can't do that because I'm done with the faking it in my family. You know, I have done the faking it. I did it through my teens, my 20s, where I just put on a happy face for the sake of the family at my brother's wedding, for the sake of the family at my sister's graduation, for the sake of the family at the barbecue, at the Christmas, at the blah, 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 blah. You know, put on a happy face and like, let's not, let's pretend like there's no problems. You know, I've done it. And I just, it's painful to me. I'm sure you all can realize and understand at this point, like I am a keep it real kind of person. Like I don't do fake friendships. I don't do phony this. I don't do the fake shit. And like, I'm not going to do it. I'm actively choosing. Like I'm not going to go back and fake it anymore with my family. So I was like, thinking over the last six weeks, again, where there's been like these insane somatic releases and crying breakthroughs. And I've been open and speaking about this with my partner and other people who are close to me who've helped me and stuff. And I have energy healing and all of these things where I was like, you know, maybe I could write them a letter and explain how I feel. You know, like I could try and get them to understand why I've been gone and like all that I've worked through. But then I realized, again, it's the same thing that happened this past January, the end of January, beginning of February, the situation with my mom. I tried to explain how I felt then. And I didn't even explain that full conversation with my mom. I obviously stopped and we went on to another route. But the way that that conversation ended was my mom told me I was wrong, told me she completely devalidated my emotions and my feelings, which that's exactly what happens. And in a mesh family, you aren't allowed to have your own emotions and feelings, especially if they're not happiness or positivity. And she told me how all of it was my fault. And when I ended that conversation with my mom, I said to her, I said, if you're not willing to acknowledge how I feel and what I'm trying to share with you to open up for you to understand what's going on with me, don't expect to have a relationship with me. Don't expect to be a part of, I said, don't expect to be a part of my life because I'm trying to be honest with you about what I am going through and I'm trying to be open with you and you are completely shutting me down. And then again, my mom said, that's not fair. You're ruining the family. And again, it's the, projection. Oh, now I'm the one ruining the family when I'm the one who's trying to actually be open. And I said this in that episode, my family does not know how to speak about emotions. That's why me trying to be open in that moment with my mom, she physically cannot hear me because that is foreign to her. She has shut out all of her emotions. My family is not a family system to like, let's talk about things. And I feel like a lot of other families are like that. So when I got off of that conversation, I was crying. I wasn't just crying. I was weeping. I was sobbing. I was so hurt. And I really felt like a five-year-old. I felt like 
exactly how I had felt my entire life where I tried to explain how I was feeling to my mom and I got completely shut down. And I feel like that's exactly why I stopped expressing my emotions in my family because there was no safe place to express my emotions. So again, even if I want to write this letter to explain all of this, I still don't think my family can actually hear me. And that's that's why there's been an extra amount of grieving over the last six weeks because I still am trying to get them to see me in some way and I don't think I don't think they can see me and I don't think they will ever be able to. And so I still don't know the answer here with my family, but I will say I have been a better person. If you are wanting to implement this boundary with your family, I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be easy. But you can create boundaries on your terms. So I went with a no contact boundary, which means I'm not in contact with them. So since that conversation in the end of February, because I, I had a hard time in the beginning. So don't try and be perfect. So in November, December, and January, I still would kind of, I wouldn't reply to everything, but I would still kind of be in contact, right? But since that conversation with my mom, there has been zero contact. And there's been zero contact with my siblings as well. And that's where the real deep healing happened because I, I really had kind of like pushed the boundary where I like cut everything off but I wasn't fully honoring it myself. And so this is where it's up to you to decide what is right for you in your own boundary with your family. The second thing is is that if you live in the same town or if you live very close in the same vicinity as your family, you can do a multitude of things. So number one, this is the thing. You don't have to tell your family that you're implementing a boundary because they might not get it. They're not going to understand it. And I will tell you, no matter what you do, whether you implement a no contact boundary or a boundary where you're just not going to see them in person, or maybe where you're going to just kind of start defending yourself a bit, they're going to call you selfish. They're going to call you selfish because you're going against everything that society, religion, all of these things kind of protest, which is family is everything. Above all, family, family, family. So they're going to call you selfish. They're not going to understand it. They're probably not going to respect it and it's going to take you and only you to enforce it. And even though you're going to implement this type of boundary and whether this is with family, friends, exes, only you can enforce this boundary and it's going to be up to you to enforce it. And I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. You're going to question yourself all the time. Like even, especially in the last six weeks where there's been like really, really deep healing and crying. I have questioned, like, did I make the right choice? Like, am I doing the right thing? And then I got that message from that person saying, like, thank you so much for speaking about this. And it kind of gave me the hope and the confirmation that, like, no, I'm doing the right thing. Like, this is the right thing. Even though I know this is hard, this is tough, but you are doing the right thing. And don't give up on yourself. And obviously there's been some plant medicine. I kind of think I spoke about this recently and I'll kind of go back in and I'll give you all a rundown of these plant medicines that I did in June. I believe June was the last time that I did plant medicine. I did Bufo and I did mushrooms. I'm pretty sure I spoke about, I didn't do any in May and I spoke about the ones that I had done in April. So June was 
last time I did plant medicine and integration is so important, but on the last plant medicine trip, which was a mushroom trip that I went on with my partner, and I'm going to also have him on about that to kind of explain his experience with mushrooms as well. Cause I think it's important for people to understand when you're doing mushrooms for healing, which were very, very healing for him. But a big part of that, which I didn't, I didn't really think that so much of this family stuff was still there, but you cannot run or hide from this shit when you're on mushrooms. Let me tell you that much. I walked out of the bedroom. He was in the living room and this was like in the early phase of going on this mushroom trip. We were only maybe like an hour in and I looked at him and I kind of had like tears in my eyes and I, I said to him, like I said out loud exactly how I was feeling and I was like, I fucking hate my family. And I've never really said that out loud. And I like just word vomited all of the things that really have upset me and hurt me over the years with my family and how painful it is for me, how utterly painful and physically taxing it is on my body to not be accepted for who I am and like how fucking difficult that is. And I, and then I cried, I cried about it because anger, if you don't know this, and I'll be teaching a lot more of this in my membership 2.0. I don't want to say it's a new membership. It's an updated new, better membership that I'm going to be having. But it is anger is a kind of like a covering of deep-rooted sadness. So when we express anger towards another person, there's actually a hidden aspect of sadness of something that is much deeper. And so first, initially, I expressed this like anger and rage towards my family because I just, it, that's how it came out. And I was, I was honestly quite shocked about it because in normal life, I'm this happy-go-lucky, you know, it's like, I don't feel like there's this anger in there, but oh, no, 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 when something's really hurting you, like it's there. And then I cried, I grieved it. I cried, I cried for hours about it and spoke with him about it. And he was really great listening to me. And then I spent another part of that mushroom trip, and I'm not going to get all into that mushroom trip on this on this chat, but it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about. I spent another part of that mushroom trip by myself sitting out on the balcony thinking about how abusive it is to withhold love from a child. And I'm kind of paraphrasing this, but there it has been confirmed that children who receive emotional abuse in that way where they don't receive the love or nurturing or affection that they need as a child is specifically in the ages of zero to seven because that's when the subconscious is programmed. Children who do not receive the safety really, the safety and the nurturing and the love that they genuinely need during that time frame, that it is actually more abusive than receiving physical abuse. I, I do believe that children who are receiving physical abuse at that time as well are also receiving emotional neglect. I mean, you have to imagine if a child's being physically abused, they're being emotionally abused as well. But you don't actually have to be physically abused to experience the deeper depths of emotional abuse from a parent because if a parent cannot unconditionally love themselves and accept themselves and if a parent hasn't worked through their own traumas and issues they are not going to be able to give you what you need as a child and then if you also have a large family system I grew up in a large family system I have five siblings there's six of us total you know what I mean like there's so many contributing factors here yeah so that's been proven and so I remember crying out on the balcony It's like it really allowed me to grieve that lack of unconditional love that I received. And I I remember crying, staring out at the clouds, thinking like, 
how fucking abusive to do that to a little innocent child to withhold love. Because a poor little baby or toddler, they don't know. They don't know any different. So that is why so many adults strive so hard to make their parents proud, even in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, right? They still don't feel good enough. And it's because they didn't receive the unconditional love that they needed as an infant. And and that stems to the age, again, child, zero to seven. But really, as that young, young child, you didn't receive what you needed. So no matter what you do, you don't feel good enough. And until you heal those wounds within yourself, you don't understand. People don't realize. They don't get it. I, I think I spoke about this in the last episode or at some episode, I'm sure. You know, that's why many people get to this level of CEO or this high level in their business or making X amount of money and they feel empty. And it's because our inner childs are wounded. And that is why inner child work is so integral and important because until you heal that wound within you, you still feel empty no matter what external achievements you feel. Like you feel empty inside. And I know that because that's exactly how I felt. I achieved status. I achieved the things that I had wanted in my design career. I felt empty. I felt nothing. All It's like no matter what, I still strove for some kind of validation from my mom. And it never came. It never came, which continued to make me feel not good enough. And then as long as I faked it in my family... And allowed myself to fit into that role, I was accepted, right? That was, oh, well, Kirby's doing what the family dynamic is, so she's accepted, you know what I mean? And that filled a hole for a bit until I realized, like, holy shit, I am hiding from every piece of myself to stay in this family dynamic. And I literally cannot do this anymore because this is destroying me as a human being. Like, I I felt like I was dying inside. Kind of backtracking a little bit. If you want to implement a boundary within your family and you live close by, and you still want to have some type of contact, you have to decide how you're going to enforce this boundary. If your mother is disrespecting you on a phone call or in person, you have to respectfully remove yourself from the conflicted situation. So if it's on the phone, you can say, hey, I'm not comfortable with how you're speaking to me. I'm going to get off the phone right now before this goes to a place that gets me really upset. And that's how you have to like have an exit strategy. But you have to enforce it. They're not going to make this easy for you because our families benefit from us not having boundaries. That's why they get so angry when we enforce them. Because only the people who benefit from you not having a boundary are going to be mad at you for enforcing a boundary. And again, I'm using the word families here, but you can literally use this for a friendship, a toxic partner, an ex that you have children with. You have to be the one who's going to like enforce this. If you're in person, it's got to be the same thing. Say you're at your family dinner and it's turning a negative route. You have to actively be like, I'm going to excuse myself from this situation so that I don't become upset. Because my mental health is a priority. Like, and they're not gonna get it. You have to understand. Like, you're gonna want them to like applaud you. Congratulations. Oh, they're not gonna get it. They're gonna talk shit about you behind your back. 
Okay. Like they're not going to get it. Your mom's going to get off the phone with you, your dad, you're going to leave the family situation. And they're just going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Who, how, who, how dare she? Who does she think she is? You know what I mean? Like they're not going to get it, but it doesn't matter. They don't matter in this situation. You're enforcing a boundary. You know, again, like if somebody's coming to you in the family and they want to gossip about the family system or something or whatever it is, you have to respectfully remove yourself. And it has to be in a respectful way because the whole point of honoring yourself is you don't want to be coming from an angry and rage and rigid place because that's not who you want to be. You don't want to be this angry boundary person. You want to be this person who's happy within themselves, just enforcing a boundary in a place of grace. So if they do that, you have to literally be like, hey, I understand that this is what's going on, but I don't want to take part in this. Can you speak about that with somebody else in the family? And again, they're probably, you're not going to be met probably with respect. But by you starting to kind of do that, that's going to start allowing people to see that you've kind of changed a bit. The other thing that you can do, and this is something that I've really implemented in my intimate relationship. This hasn't happened obviously with my family because I'm not in contact with them, but even my friendships is when I'm going through something that's difficult is asking them, hey, I'm dealing with something right now. Are you available for me to speak openly about this with you? Because emotionally dumping on somebody is a thing. You know, have you ever had somebody call you and then just out of nowhere, they're just emotionally dumping on you and you're like, whoa. And then you leave that conversation and you're like, I'm fucking beat. I need to go sleep for two hours to bring myself back from this person just like deteriorating me as a human being. So if somebody starts emotionally dumping on you, you can say to them like, hey, I want to help you through this, but right now I can't handle this. Can we speak about this in another time? And then when you do speak about, you don't have to say all these things at one time, but you know, this is kind of how you're going to have to start kind of like shifting. You're like reshaping the clay, right? Of your relationship. And so you can then say in the future as well, like, Hey, in the future, I really want to be there for you because you're really important to me as a person. And this is where open communication and this is where really building your self-worth and like building your relationships and the communication with people who are important to you, you have to start re kind of negotiating the terms, right? Because in the past you probably had no terms. You just had everything open-ended and you were just openly available to everybody, which is what's literally killing you inside. You can say to them, hey, I really want to be there for you emotionally and you're so important to me. But before you unload on me, can you ask me if I'm in a place mentally myself to be able to handle what you're going through? And if I'm not, please don't take it personally. I just myself am working through some things myself and I can be emotionally available to you at a time that is right for me. And again, it might not be open with, be welcomed with open arms in the beginning, but you're, you're shifting the narrative here. And you're opening up to implement and kind of enforce some boundaries. Again, if you have people who are messaging you and it's becoming so taxing to you and you're avoiding messages and you're not wanting to respond to them, number one, like I said in the beginning, you don't have to respond to anybody. That was a hard one for me because I always felt indebted. I felt indebted to my family. I felt indebted that I had to be at every event. Otherwise, I was shamed, which I was. I felt indebted that if I didn't reply to somebody in a certain amount of time that I was doing something wrong, which they made me feel like I was. But then through implementing this boundary with my family, I realized I don't owe you shit and I don't have to reply to anybody that I don't want to reply to. 
So for me, I haven't been replying at all. This is, I have a no contact boundary, so I don't owe you anything. I'm not replying to you. But if you don't want to go that route, which I can understand looking from the opposite side, it can look really harsh, but you know what? I just don't really care what other people feel at this point because so much of my life, I put everybody above myself that I'm finally putting myself first and I don't care who's upset about it because I need to prioritize myself. Nobody is prioritizing me if I'm not prioritizing me. So I need to put myself first here. But if you don't want to do that, if somebody's messaging you, you can do one of two things. Number one, you can reply to the message when you do feel right inside and say, hey, I'm acknowledging that you're messaging me, but right now I don't have the time to respond to this. Can I reply at a later date? And that kind of gives you some time. You don't need to set a time frame. You don't have to say, can I reply to you tomorrow? And then that puts the pressure on you for tomorrow because maybe you don't want to reply tomorrow. You could reply a week later and be like, hey, you know, I'm kind of dealing with some stuff internally and I just can't handle this right now. And you have to start really honoring yourself and and acknowledging that. And you know what? You might lose some friendships over this. Again, you might have some deeper conflict that comes forth in your family. Like, who does she think she is? Especially if you've been the person where everybody's gone to to unload their issues on for the entirety of your life, which hello, if you could see me right now, my hand is raised. That was me. I was the one who was the fixer. Everybody came to me with all of their problems and I let them unload it on me at all hours of the day, which just kept deteriorating me as a person. And I allowed it. So I'm not mad at them for doing it because I actively allowed them to do it until I didn't. And then when I stopped allowing people to do it, guess what? That's when I lost all my friends because I had one-sided friendships. That's also when my family stopped contacting me. Because guess what? We have nothing to talk about now because I didn't have open, happy conversations with my family. My conversations with my family revolved around them unloading their problems on me and everybody talking gossip about somebody else in the family. And when I started implementing the boundaries, and this was before I actually implemented the no, no contact boundary with my family, this was for about six months prior to that. I started doing exactly what I was just telling you all to do where I wasn't allowing my mom to gossip about the other family members with me. And i that's the thing. I don't know what to talk to my mom about at this point because we don't have anything in common. My mom would try and send me messages during that time like, the weather's so nice or I'm gardening, you know, but like just kind of saying random things to say something, but there was like no conversation to be had because she actively doesn't know what to talk to me about because I actually don't think that my mom has ever had a conversation that isn't talking about somebody else. And I actually 100% believe that because in the last conversation that I had with my mother at the end of January, I said to her like, mom, gossiping about other people is not only unhealthy, but it's not normal. And my mom replied, Kirby, everybody gossips and it is normal. And i that's what I realized is my mom's truth. And I kind of spoke about this on Instagram recently where it's like we get to decide our truths. And that's the thing about kind of being in a toxic family dynamic. Like things that are toxic, they think are normal. Gossiping about other people isn't normal. The reason why my mom thinks it's normal is because that's all that she knows. So she thinks that by talking about other people, and 
it's one thing to have a conversation about somebody and the exciting things that they're doing in their life, but that's not the kind of conversations that's happening in my family. It's negative, toxic conversations about everybody. It's about my cousins. It's about me and my siblings. It's about how we're doing something wrong that my mom would do differently and how how could we be making that decision because it's not the decision that my mom would. Like if you're not making the exact decision that my mom would make, you are wrong and they're going to talk about it. And there's also a lot of women in my family. And let's be honest, women gossip more than men because men suppress their feelings, right? So my mom doesn't just gossip with my aunt because she only has one sister. She then calls my older sister and she gossips with her. So that like feeds that fix, right? And then she calls my other sister and then she calls my cousin and then everybody gossips and talks shit. And whoever's the topic of the week, that's what happens, right? So my mom, and that's what my mom knows. That's what she grew up with. So my mom thinks that gossip is normal and that it's okay, but it's not. (laughs) Gossiping about other people doesn't bring anything good into your life. Gossiping about other people isn't bringing positivity into you. Gossiping about other people isn't helping anyone. It's constantly enforcing a negative narrative. It's projecting your negativity onto someone else because you don't want to deal with it within you. And so when I started doing exactly as I said to all of you, like, no, I don't want you to talk, I don't want to talk about this right now, or no, I'm not going to do that, or blah, 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 like enforcing that stuff. And that's what I started doing with my siblings and my mom prior to this no contact boundary. And every time I would do it, they wouldn't respect it. And I kept having to enforce it and became very frustrating for me. And it actually, that's when it made me start, stop replying to their messages because they wouldn't respect it. They, they didn't respect it. I mean, it went on for six months. This, they didn't respect it. And even with my uncle who passed away, you know, I had this close relationship with him, but for multiple years, I would go out to breakfast with him in Chicago and I loved going out to see him. But it again turned into this gossip ring and he loved to gossip about Tom. And I, Tom wasn't a part of my life and I didn't want to talk about him because I don't want to, like he wasn't something that I was not a part of my daily life. You know what I'm saying? Like I decided years ago, I don't want this person in my life. I'm not going to have that type of people abuse me. But Uncle Bob loved to bring him up and I years, this is years prior to like all this boundary stuff with my family. I said to him, uncle Bob, I'm not going to talk about Tom. I don't want to talk about Tom. I kept saying this every time I would meet up with him for breakfast. And every time he would bring it up still, he would still push it. That's the thing with toxic family systems. It's like they still put it out there to see if you'll just like allow it to happen because it like feeds a fix within them. It's like being a drug addict and you're like allowing them to fill that drug. This is why gossip and negativity is literally like a drug for people. They get a high off of it because it like fills a fix within them. And even up until he passed away and like I left Chicago and stuff, I still would have to say to him, Uncle Bob, I'm not talking to you about Tom. I don't want to do this. I'm not talking to you. Let's talk about something else. But again, it turned to the point where there like wasn't much for us to talk about because so much of my family dynamic was talking about other people. Like no one really would call me to ask like, how are you doing in your life? What's going on with you? They called to gossip about somebody else. And I, I, I just, I didn't, I don't want to do it. So I did all of these things that I'm telling you all to do, kind of enforcing your boundaries. And you kind of have to decide what levels of boundaries that you want to have. 
And what you might notice, you know, and I don't want to say this, like I don't want people to like lose friendships, but friendships, relationships with family. I mean, I guess the biggest thing that I learned within all of this is that, you know, your family is just your birth family. And kind of sometimes you grow and evolve past the consciousness of your birth family. Is it sad? It's sad. One of the hardest things, I literally cried like two weeks ago to my partner. I came out of the bedroom after feeling really sick and, you know, all this time where I've had these thyroid issues and I've been, you know, laying in bed and stuff. I've had a lot of time to think about all of this. And I said to him, I was like, you know, one of the hardest things for me is like, I see these like other really happy family units. Obviously we never know the dynamic of anyone's family, but I do see, you know, where there's like this deep love with the parents and their children and the unconditional love and all of that stuff. And I said, the hardest part for me is having to acknowledge that like, that's not my family. And that like, this is the reality of my family. And that I really have wished that it was different and like accepting that it's not different has been the hardest part for me. Accepting that it's so toxic and abusive has been the hardest part for me. It's it's like I've been resisting that for two years because I don't want to acknowledge that that's how my family is because who wants to acknowledge that? Who who wants to think that? No, like everyone wants to be able to say like my family is great. You know, and and this past Father's Day, I think I spoke about this recently, I can't remember, but this past Father's Day was the first Father's Day that I wasn't triggered. You know, I, I don't think other people think that. I, I can't go on Facebook or Instagram on Father's Day because it makes me sad. It makes me sad to see, especially girls, like women with their fathers and like say all these really nice things about their fathers. Like that makes me really sad inside. And it now makes me sad, not to the point where it's like I have an emotional charge of it, but in the past, it would make me angry. I would roll my eyes and I would be angry and I would sit there and think all day, like, why the fuck did I get dealt with this shithead as a father? Like, there are four girls in my family. Like, he can't honor any of us. He is such a piece of shit. Like, why did I get dealt this hand? You know, like, and I, I had the why me? I, I would be angry about it. I'm not going to lie about it. it. It would trigger me. And this past Father's Day, I felt, I felt nothing. I felt actually happy. I, I didn't, I don't go on Facebook hardly at all anymore because Facebook is just like, oh my God, like, I actually can't believe that people still post on Facebook. It's mind blowing to me. But I went on Instagram a little bit this past Father's Day and I actually felt so happy for all the young women and girls who had great relationships with their dad. And I, that's when I knew that the healing was done with him because I wasn't, there was no emotional charge. And I'll kind of explain this a bit more. I'll definitely explain it a bit more in my membership 2.0 because your emotions are everything. And basically any experience that you have had has an emotional charge within your body and something will still continue to affect you as long as there is an emotional charge attached to that memory or that emotion or that piece that you're hiding within your shadow. And when there's no more emotional charge, you you are able to just be without being affected by it. And so that's why I wasn't really affected by this Father's Day, which made me so proud of the amount of healing that I've done. So now I'm I'm very happy when I see. And then I also, that's why it was so important for me to find an amazing man because I realized like I'm never gonna be able to change my family dynamic 
what can I do, right? Instead of thinking of like all the things I can't do because that was hard for me and I grieved that where I was like, I literally cannot change my family dynamic. What what can I do about this? Like there's nothing I can do, right? That's why it was so important for me to find an amazing man because guess what? He and I will be able to have our own family dynamic. We will be able to build our own family and we will be able to control that. We will be able to control the unconditional love that our children are going to receive. We will be able to do things so much different than our parents did it before. And that is what I can control. And that's what makes me the most excited about being in this relationship with such an amazing man because I know that we will do it different. We will do it better. And that's because we know better. That's why my favorite quote from Maya Angelou is do the best you can. And then when you know better, do better. And he and I are going to do better because he and I have both done healing. He and I both have overcome pains and traumas of our past. Like we have worked through it and we know what can be better and we know what's possible for our children as a result of that. And the same thing kind of happened recently with seeing a thing with my family. There's still a little bit of an emotional charge with the family, which means I'm still working through it. And again, I've said this many times, we have layers and layers and layers. It does not take one time, one you know, amount of healing to get rid of the, the deep emotional charge of something that you've experienced. But there was a family event that was held for my family and I wasn't invited to it. Do, do you know how like, so I'm kind of okay with it at this point, but the first time, like that was like daggers in my heart. I was like, nobody even invited me. Like I didn't even get an invitation. I'm not even like, they're really writing me off from the family. And this had nothing to do with my mom. Cause obviously I had this no contract thing with my mom. There's no issues with my siblings at this point, but as a result of me creating the boundary with my mom, it's like my siblings have just fallen into line underneath that. They're such sheep. I didn't, I'm not included. I don't get anything even from the extended family. Like I'm literally, I'm just cut off from everybody. You know what I mean? And so the first time, man, that was daggers in my heart. I was like, wow, this is my uncle's 80th birthday and I didn't even get an invite. And that has nothing to do. Like he didn't invite me. Like him and whoever planned it with him, like I didn't get an invite from him. It had nothing to do with like my siblings or my mom. And I was like, wow, wow. So that one stung a little bit. And then recently there was like another big family event and I wasn't invited. And not only I wasn't invited, but there was another one of my siblings who wasn't able to be there for it. So they cut out pictures of her face and had it there as if like she was present. But did they cut out pictures of my face? No. And I was like, okay, like I'm okay with this. Like I'm fine, you know? Um, But I guess that's the thing too. It's like, you, when you really enforce a boundary to protect yourself, like others are going to kind of come at it with a place of hate at you. That's why, and, and you can't really, I guess the thing is, it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I guess that's the thing, you know? Um, I didn't do anything wrong here, but I'm still being shamed. And why am I being shamed? Because I'm not following a line in the family dynamic. I'm not following the role that was placed on my head when I was born of what I'm supposed to be doing in the family dynamic. So therefore, I'm wrong. I'm making a different decision. And that's the thing. My family just does not know how to accept people for making their own decisions. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow, you know? And like I said, the grieving recently was just 
acknowledging that I said to my partner, I said, I don't think I'm ever going to be accepted from my family for who I am. And I had to grieve that. And that was a hard pill to swallow. You know, it's the aspect of not feeling good enough. And no matter what you do, I said to him, I was like, no matter how great our relationship is, no matter how much money we make, no matter how many awards or how many books or how many podcasts or how many this that I do, none of that is ever going to be good enough for my family. And that that's hard to accept. I think for anybody that would be hard to accept. And so those kind of realizations that have come about as a result of this no contact boundary are what has allowed me to really find the deeper aspects of myself. And that's the part of this that's so beautiful because not only in that moment, I said to him, I was like, no matter what I'm going to do, I'm never going to be good enough. And then I said to him, I was like, but no matter what, I am good enough. I will never be good enough for the wrong people. I was like, but I am good enough just because I am me. And he was like, yeah, you are. He was like, Kirby, you are great. You are so great as a person. And you don't have to explain that to anybody. And that's the difference in becoming truthful with yourself and acknowledging that you literally, I, and in that moment, what was even bigger for me is I didn't need to hear that from him. It was beautiful and amazing for him to validate for that for me. But I knew deep in my heart, no matter what, I was good enough. And that was what was the most important, that through all of this, it took me stepping away from the people who were quote unquote closest to me for me to finally feel good enough. And I think that that's also why in this time I have met my partner because it really, I needed to sever the toxic connection with others that was stopping me from believing that I was good enough of great things. And that's what I've been able to do in this time. I feel even more liberated in the last six, seven months of all that this has happened. But I don't want you to think that this has been some easy walk in the park and that it's just happened. In implementing boundaries with anybody, even within boundaries that I've implemented with friendships, I still think about those friends. I still want good things for them. I don't allow myself to spiral into a negative place with them because I don't want to feed that. But I still care and want good things for those people, even though they're not a part of my life anymore. In regards to my family, I send them love every day. I want nothing but good things for them. I literally envision and imagine myself giving my mom like rainbows of golden light and abundance just like raining down on her. And I just wish for like miracles to happen in her day and her not knowing why they happen and me just knowing like they happen because of me, you know? I want that for my mom so bad. You know, I I don't know what the answer is here for me. I don't know how long this boundary is going to go on for. I will say that I am happier. Even though I think about them and, and all of that, I am happier still having this boundary. I, I am better. I have become a better person because I know exactly who I am and I love myself exactly for who I am as a person. I fully feel like from implementing this boundary that I actually have, was able to learn self-love because I kind of was forced to then nurture and accept myself, which then allowed my partner 
to nurture and accept me, which he would have done anyways because he's an angel. But we can only receive from others what we are willing to give ourselves. And prior to any of this, with this boundary of my family, I I didn't know fully how to give myself self-love. I didn't fully know how to fully nurture and listen to who I was as a person. But now that I do that, he's able to do that with me, right? We can only receive back what we're willing to give ourselves. That's why no partner's ever gonna fill that empty void. They're not actually giving you love. They're just mirroring back the love that you already feel within yourself. And that's why my partnership is so great at this time because I already know and feel all of this deep-rooted love within myself. And I know that I'm worthy of it. And I give it to myself every day. He doesn't give it to me. I give it to myself. That's the difference here. I don't know if this is all over the place. I literally say this every time. But I feel very proud of this episode and the growth that I've experienced as a person as a result of this. Do I know how long this boundary will go on? I do not. It might go on for five more years. I don't know. I have no idea. Um... All I know is that when things do potentially change, and even if a conversation isn't fully had, which I don't think I'll be able to do not fully having a conversation with anybody, when I do potentially see the family again, it will be on my terms. And if they all are not willing to respect the terms that I'm going to lay out in order for that to happen, I'm not going to put myself through it. And I'm not going to put my partner through it. And I'm not going to put our future children through it. You don't have to accept anything just because it's the way that it's been done before. In order to see the change that you want in your life, you have to be willing to stand up for the change that you want. And that's not an easy process. That's not ever going to be easy. I do believe in my heart, deep, deep down, that at some point, there is going to be beautiful relationships on the opposite side of this. I really do believe that with my family. I do. But in order for me to see those, I have to honor myself at this point in time. And that's what boundaries are. They're not selfish. They're honoring your needs. That is what a boundary is. I think I'll probably at some point have to talk a bit deeper into boundaries and how you can enforce them in things in your life. I feel like I did give some good ideas for doing that in your own lives. I really appreciate all of you. I know that this is a long one. But there was a lot of information and I'm sure I went on some tangents. You know, that's where we are. If you want to see some of the new things that are available, you can go ahead and click in the description below. If you have questions for me and my partner, please submit them. We would love to answer them. Hopefully next week we'll do the Q&A and all of that. But I appreciate all of you. As always, I love all of you. Thank you for letting me be seen. The best part of this about not being seen within my own family dynamic is that showing unapologetically, which is why that's the name of this podcast, showing up on this podcast in this way lets me be who I am. And whether you agree with the things that I do or don't, that's not the point. Like We're not meant to agree with every single person. I'm just sharing my story, which is vulnerable and hard enough on its own. But you allow me to be accepted for who I am because you all show up and listen and allow me to express myself. And I am not perfect. I'm sure I say many things that are wrong on here and they might rub you all the wrong way and I, I don't know. But all I know is that I can only be exactly who I am and who I am meant to be. And I try and strive every single day to be a better person every single day and to empower and show other people what's possible in their lives as well. And I hope that I'm able to do that for all of you. 
So again, do random acts of kindness, give back to others, give love, positivity. What we project to the world is what we are giving back to ourselves. I appreciate all of you. I love all of you and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.